This is the Umbrella Academy on TV Podcast Industries, and we're discussing Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 1, right back where we started. I know what it's like to be stuck in time, thinking this is how you're going to live out the rest of your life. On the run, and not knowing if you're ever going to see the people you love again. And to be in an unfamiliar world, but Luther, you're not alone. We have to find the others because the world ends again in 10 days. I have no idea how to stop it. I don't give a shit. Wakey, wakey, rise and shine, fellow brollies. This is the TV Podcast Industries podcast discussing everything about the Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 1, and it's called Right Back Where We Started. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And rounding out this trio of school kids, I am Chris. So I guess we're giving up on the uh, on the Academy alumni after one episode, John. <laughs> Going back to Brawlies. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's interchangeable, okay. I, I, to be honest. Um, I just thought fellow Brawlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Brawly Dollies, in <laughs> fact. Uh, but also our fellow Academy alumni, if you prefer the more academic uh, greeting. I like it. Yes, so you let us know over on the social medias what you like. Which do you prefer? Are you a Brawley? Are you an alumni? Let us know. (laughs) Well, I'm calling that out just in case you didn't uh, hear our recap episode uh, where we talked about the entire first season of Umbrella Academy and christened our listeners as uh, Academy alumni. Um, You may not have heard that yet. Uh, if you if you want to go back and hear uh, the thoughts that we had on the entire first series, pop on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and you can get uh, our recording about the first season. But, uh, but yeah, exactly as Chris said, let us know whether you want to be called the, uh, the Brawly Dollies uh, or the Academy alumni. Are you telling me that I was edited out saying fellow Brawlies? No, you're in there. Okay, uh, excellent. <laughs> yeah, at some point. <laughs> so we're not sure where. We have you somewhere in there. We just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, moving swiftly forward, what are we discussing, gents? We are here for a spoiler-filled discussion about Season 2, Episode 1 of The Umbrella Academy. Yes, right back where we started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're starting with us for the first time, you may not know who we are. Welcome to the group. Welcome. We are three crazy lads who like to discuss all things TV, all things podcasts, on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, basically the best way to find out our back catalogue and everything, as Derek said, even the season one recap, you can pop over to website at tvpodcastindustries.com and check out all of our previous. We've covered everything from the boys to we just finished a full coverage of Penny Dreadful, the original first three seasons in Victorian England. We weren't in Victorian England when we did it. We were just actually recording about the original yeah. Victorian England. We were in pieces. Dublin where most of it was filmed, but, uh, but that doesn't oh, matter, yeah. does it? <laughs> but then we jumped over to the City of Angels, of course, LA, where we did Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Finally, we've also done everything Marvel over on uh, the Netflix shows, including some of the film. And my fellow hosts have also covered all of Pennyworth Season 1, uh, all of Gotham. Uh, you name it, we've probably covered it in some form. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, this is our first time uh, talking about Umbrella Academy, though. So we did do that one recap episode. So we are jumping into the second season uh, of Umbrella Academy going uh, sort of episode by episode. We're not releasing our podcasts covering each individual episode. This episode's coming out just as all of the season is being released on Netflix. And then we're going to be releasing uh, episode two and three over the first weekend, episode four, five and six during the following week. And then uh, episode seven, eight and nine after that and then we're going to close out the season with one final episode talking about the season finale episode 10 of season two so kind of bundling them up a little bit really because uh, we are going to be leading into the boys season two which is coming out in september and we want to make sure that we uh, cover this show as much as we can uh, in in the time that we have available to us so we unfortunately we can't go weekly but uh, but we will be talking about each individual episode on the podcast in that structure i suppose hope Uh that makes sense Yes, absolutely. And of course, uh, you can send in any thoughts, points, theories or feedback on the shows as you watch them. Just send in uh, an email by at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can head on over to our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries. And of course, we are also over on Twitter at tvpodindustries. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you want to leave a voicemail for your feedback, head on over to the website at tvpodcastindustries.com and you can leave up to 90 seconds of your dulcet tones uh, for us to replay in the feedback section at the end of our discussion. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, as we go through this season of Umbrella Academy, it'll be great to get your thoughts on the show, uh, this exciting show with, um, yes, lots of crazy stuff indeed. Mm-hmm. Lots of time travel as well. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, we are releasing these episodes early on Patreon. If you want to get the episodes a bit earlier than they are on our main feed, you can go over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries and uh, subscribe to us there, uh, support us there. You can get access to the episodes a little bit early. Uh, we are very lucky to be able to be recording these episodes before they're out on, uh, on at the end of July on Netflix. So we don't know what anybody else's reaction to these shows are as we're recording our podcast which is the way we love it, really. It means we're able to, yeah. able to come up with our own ideas about what we think of the series before getting uh, getting anybody else's opinion, I suppose, which is great fun. Exactly. And, of course, you can support us in any other way, shape, or form as you see fit. You can go onto any academical or non-academical podcast catcher uh, and r- leave a review, rate us, uh, subscribe. Uh, it'll be great to get your support uh, through that way as That's well. Right. And just share the podcast. Exactly. Yes, because sharing the podcast is sharing love. But mm. don't forget, if you wanted to, you could share it with your gorillas, your chimpanzees, <laughs> your uh, commissions, your estranged fathers, your uh, robotic mothers, um, your uh, crazy boyfriends or dead boyfriends, mm. uh, your gun-toting uh, cha-chas, whatever you have available available to you to share to mm, i hear we uh, we play very well with dead ex-boyfriends <laughs> I, I hear that too I, they're our number one demographic apparently <laughs> just more because they can't go back to us and say it. they they leave really good reviews it's just silence <laughs> there you go there you go let's get into our spoiler filled discussion about season two episode one of the umbrella academy right back where we started uh, the show was created for television by steve blackman uh, from the comic books from jared way and gabriel ba um the show was developed by jeremy slater just interesting little thing to note guys if you if you weren't aware of it he's the lead writer uh, on marvel's new series coming up in disney plus 
the Moon Knight television series. So uh, one of our favourite uh, guest hosts, Ray, from the Moon Knight podcast, uh, has been on with us quite a few times on TV Podcast Industries. Uh, I'm sure he'll be very interested to know that Jeremy Slater is involved in Umbrella Academy and also going over to Moon Knight. So, that's so the interesting bit on that, I think, is how he's able to... Slater's able to play some of the comic relief elements of Umbrella Academy mm-hmm. with this more serious moments. Uh, I think that might give an indication of where they might be taking potentially some of the Moon Knight to, so you, because there is an element in some of his personalities in the comic book mm-hmm. where he is that they have those comedic one-liners, mm-hmm. things like that. <laughs> so if you take that, as well and put this into this context it might be, i think this is a good thing this is going to be interesting uh yeah I, it depends on which moon knight fans you ask as to whether there is any comedic elements at all to the moon knight character <laughs> or whether that's just bad writing sometimes <laughs> some people uh some people not fans of comedy moon knight uh, what i do love about jeremy Schneider, and did talk about it on the season one wrap-up what i do love is he translated a comic book that was very much about each character having superpowers and hardly any characteristics other than that until at least the second volume of Umbrella Academy and created a really good uh, through line for all of those characters in season one, created some really good, uh, really standout characters in season one. It seems to be carrying on in season two. So hopefully you can do the same with translating 35 years of, uh, of Marvel's Moon Knight or 45 years of Marvel's Moon Knight into a TV show. Uh, that should be good fun. Uh, this episode was directed by Sylvain White. He's done lots of TV directed, but also directed, you might remember this one as well, guys, uh, the comic book movie The Losers back in oh, 2010. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was yeah. one, of our, one of our first experiences of uh, of big budget, non-Marvel, non-DC comic book movies. Uh, so so an interesting one uh, that, that is on his resume for the year. I'm trying to think uh, Zoe Saldana was in, in that. Yeah, that it was. Some role, wasn't it? Yeah. Chris Evans. Chris Evans was in there. Yeah, um, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Captain America and his butt cheeks. <laughs> yes, America's butt cheeks before they were America's butt cheeks. Exactly. <laughs> Getting an outing uh, before they got an outing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And finally, the episode was written by Steve Blackburn, the creator of the show. So, um, so he's involved in the script for the first episode. John, do you want to let us know what they gave us with your summary for the first episode of The Umbrella Academy Season 2? Sure. On the 1st of April 2019, the Earth was destroyed in a cataclysmic event. Billions of people were wiped out in a matter of minutes. Ironically, the six survivors of the apocalypse were the very siblings who brought it on. After time travelling to avoid the apocalypse and dropping his brothers and sisters into an alley in Texas all at different times, five scrambles to track them all down before they team up to cause a brand new apocalypse. (laughs) Cause or prevent? <laughs> That's the timey-wimey nature of the show, really, isn't it? So uh, I'm, I'm so glad I'll call this out right now, right up top. Uh, this is exactly what I asked for when we did our recap and look forward to season two of Umbrella Academy. I was really annoyed if they were just going to go back in time 10 days to try and fix the original apocalypse. I really love the idea that they've gone back in time and started a new apocalypse that they have to deal with. <laughs> I think that makes so much more fun of the situation of the Umbrella Academy. Again, comic book version of these characters is they constantly go out, go after stopping apocalypses. So I love the idea that they've gone back in time and already 
as soon as five arrives he's already jumping into an apocalypse i think that's quite kind of cool <laughs> yeah that was pretty cool actually so with that gentlemen i think it's about time we jump in and discuss our big moments for this episode mm-hmm. if you're joining us for the first time the way that we usually cover our episodes is each of us will take one big point that we discuss usually there's maybe some overlap or things like that and we'll jump in on each other's points. but yeah typically it's three big points for each episode mm-hmm. and on that Derek, what's your big moment for this episode? Guess what? Welcome to the new apocalypse. That's my yeah. Uh, that's my big moment. Because anytime you say that, I just hear like some like nineteen eighties power blat. <laughs> Welcome to the new apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and in my head, I have uh, I have Futurama's Welcome to the World of Tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Welcome to the end of the world of the past. I suppose is where we are here. Uh, it's just the the arrival of the seven seven back in the. 60s i think it's a really interesting one because it does take place directly after the end of season one where we saw the moon exploding in the sky and they're going oh, what could it matter what could it hurt uh either we all die here or we just find out what happens if we all try and use the power of five to transport us all back in time and we know instantly now what happens like this is one of the cool things that we have available to us because we didn't cover the show uh, last year when it came out. We're covering the show a couple of weeks ago, so we've only just watched the last episode and then came straight into watching the first episode of season two. So we know now exactly what happens. Uh, probably not very good things. <laughs> so, so, you know, we have the arrival of Klaus and Ben on their own at the beginning, so uh, they're still stuck together, stuck with each other again. You know, I love that kind of reveal from Klaus, kind of going, oh no, this is going to be my life now. I'm stuck in a different time with you by my side and nobody else, you know. So he was just kind of getting used to the idea of having his family around again. Um, they arrive uh, 1960, uh, February 11th, 1960 is their arrival date. And then we kind of don't see them for most of the rest of the episode. They're, they kind of disappear off. Um, we get a lot more of some of the other characters at the beginning of the episode, really. Uh, Alison arrives and we kind of see her instant impact. She walks straight into a whites-only diner um, a year later, uh, 1961, when she arrives. And remember, she's mute as well. So she's walking into this diner. She's had her throat kind of slit by Vanya towards the end of season one. And she can't talk. She can't explain to anybody the situation that she's in. All she gets is someone pointing at a sign going, you shouldn't be here. Basically. Yeah, that must <laughs> absolutely suck. Mm-hmm. What an awful entrance to a new era, a new decade, you know. Um, but it's it's a, a good setup for where, where a character is going to go as the episode goes on. Exactly. Whereas for Klaus... It rocked, or should I say it swung, because, um, yeah, he's in the swinging 60s, mm-hmm. and that is his time for peace, love, drugs, and alcohol. <laughs> probably, yeah. And promiscuous sex. Yes, probably. I do love the uh, the reaction of the guy that sees him as he arrives, and he's trying to do the, what time is it, what day is it, what day is it, and the, the guy walking across the the, uh, the zebra crossing, as we call it, the crosswalk, I guess, in America, just looks at him as if he's off his head on drugs already. He probably is. It is close. But. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but a great, great instant reaction. And talking about great instant reactions as well, Luther's arrival again, <laughs> another year later in 1962, as he arrives, similar to Klaus arrives and calls out for the rest of his brothers and sisters. Uh, but landing on Allison because she's the most important character to him. I absolutely love the homeless man who is shouting alongside him. <laughs> and you know, you're almost wondering is this character going to be important in the rest of the series? Because he's, he's I really he's, hope so. <laughs> he's just echoing uh, Luther's call of Allison until Luther's kind of looking at him, going, "Why is he calling out her name?" <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I must say that really made me laugh a lot. Um, I really liked that. 
It was just hilarious, yeah. And then we have the arrival of Diego in 1963, September 1st, 1963. I think he's the first one that gets date uh, associated with his arrival, actual day, um, apart from place, as I look at my notes. Um, but but I love that he does the superhero landing. We saw this in, the, in Deadpool yeah. 2, uh, this idea of every superhero <laughs> who lands on the ground lands in this perfect formation. Diego's the only one to land like that. Everybody else lands and falls over. Uh, Diego lands perfectly like the superhero and then, awesome. goes, and then goes instantly into an attack on a purse snatcher uh, as he throws his knife, uh, bends it around and sticks the guy to a post. It's so cool. Like, what a great yeah. level. Yeah, that was pretty awesome, uh, to be honest. Uh, along with his um, his kind of moves uh, in the battle with the Soviets as well. Absolutely, absolutely. We get on to that one, that part of of me point in a second, but uh, but I do love that as a rival. I have to say, I don't think I even mentioned it last season, but one of the things I love about the makeup for Diego is that cut along the side of his head. Um, they do a great job of of keeping that uh, all the time. I presume the actor doesn't have that same cut, but it looks really cool. Uh, I love the idea that he may have played with knives too hard when he was younger, or may have just <laughs> may have just bent it the wrong way and it cut his head in a training accident kind of thing. Um. Next up is Vanya, uh, Vanya who arrives and then instantly gets knocked down. I love that she was, you know, she was the big bad by the end of season one. She was the one they were trying to take down to stop her, call, stop her uh, causing the apocalypse. It turned out they all caused the apocalypse by stopping her. And then she gets here and instantly gets knocked down her arrival. Uh, seems a bit out, out of sorts uh, when she gets there as well. And do you think she has no memory because of that knock in the car? Because she's taken in by uh that family mm-hmm. um and that they keep putting missing uh, persons ads in the paper or do you think it's just as a result of the the time travel by number five it's just because it doesn't happen with everyone else everyone does, else yeah. remembers everything yet vanya is um it totally doesn't know who she is at all or whether it was even just something before the time travel mm. back in the um concert hall well, so the concert hall, in the original comic book, she was shot, like, full on. She was actually, the, the shot penetrated her and left her paralyzed mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. In the in season one, what we saw, it was the gun to the side of the head that either distracted her or deafened her. Yeah. There's conflicting theories. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was what turned her off. Yeah. So my assumption is it's the car, the accident, yeah. in, the, in this is what... This is basically why she has this amnesia. Although, that being said, if I knew I caused the apocalypse and my all my siblings hated me mm-hmm. and I was suddenly back in the 60s, I'd feign amnesia too. Go, oh yeah, I don't know who I am. Oh yeah, no, I'm just, I'm this, I'm Vanya, that's it. Yeah. Check my medical alert bracelet. That's my name. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And just, so she, I'm wondering if it's even selective amnesia, kind of like she just doesn't yeah, want to maybe. remember or she has remembered and she's just not going to kind of, when the boy, when the boys and uh, Alison turn up, he'd be like, oh yeah, I remember you. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. And I think as well, at this point, each of them have arrived separately other than Klaus with Ben, but they, they just don't know that the others have survived mm-hmm. at all. So that they're alone or, and they, you know, I think that there's talk that Luther has been back to the alleyway 
um, to to sort of cry and to scream out Allison <laughs> as well. Blanks Hopefully, the homeless guy yeah. was was there as well. <laughs> just constantly, um, every time, it's just like his shadow. Hello, <laughs> Allison. Why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's why he ultimately he moved on because he he couldn't take the homeless guy anymore. Or maybe um, that's Luther from the future come back in time again to shout Allison's name. <laughs> so um, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why he's important. I don't know. That would be awesome. Timey wimey well. stuff, you know. Uh, the last to arrive, though, of the seven is uh, is five. Um, he arrives to all hell breaking loose as the Soviets attack. And the other six are awesomely using their powers versus yeah. the Soviets. Like, how cool is that? Uh, but you're wondering, you know, there's the difference in time. I think it's only about, what, three weeks or... Uh, no, it's just over a month uh, between when Vanya arrived and when five arrived. So what's happened in those five weeks to get this whole team of of the gang back together and all using their powers. The first one you see actually is Vanya using her powers to knock the uh, the shell out of the sky from the tank or tank bullet, I guess. <laughs> Not very good on military equipment. <laughs> shell, the shell. shell. Yeah, yeah, I did get it right, Grant. Uh, but it's very Dr. Manhattan-like, isn't it? Where she just really kind of rips is. it apart uh, as it's coming towards her. Um, There's such great moves in here from each of the characters. You know, as, as you mentioned, that moment from, um, from Diego as he flips off the car and bends the bullets at the same time around absolutely real matrix tricks i love Ooh. that i i did feel like it was diego who had leveled up the most um with this because mm. um i think because klaus had kind of figured out how to use ben as well as using the dead people mm-hmm. uh, as a force um and luther is luther he's kind of pretty indestructible um yeah and uh with allison using her i heard a rumor then i I think just the fact that dago had all been about the knives for me in season one and so to kind of see him twisting and turning and dodging all the bullets but at the same time bending them effectively so that they kill uh the soldiers that have mm-hmm. fired them i thought was yeah it was awesome i feel like all of them leveled up but i know what you mean like that 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 power of diego is because we've only really seen him using it bending the knives that he throws yeah it does feel like a, a change to his uh his abilities but i definitely thought thought of all of them klaus was kind of my one where i'm going he's also raising other dead people around him like i was kind of laughing at the makeup of the dead people that were there, you know, he has yeah. some army people, a police officer, and then two old women <laughs> <laughs> running yeah. down the street as well. I'm kind of going, okay, is he just raising the people that died on this street? Is he's close to them? Is that what it is? So we'll probably find find out more about what he's doing with the power. But he's only used that once, and that was with Ben. And Ben's on his own here, using his power, even though he's a ghost. He is using his power on his own. On his own, it seems not through Klaus yeah. this time. And weirdly, when Klaus and Ben arrived. I kind of thought Ben looked kind of fully formed. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, is he a ghost anymore? Because um, I think in season one, they, they did give that shimmer effect, maybe, or maybe I'm imagining that. Mm-hmm. But it, I was suddenly thought that, oh, Ben has kind of come back in some way right. because they've gone back in time. Um, and then obviously we do see that that is not the case. You see yeah. Klaus fighting in the middle of the road. Um, I think he's slapping Ben's uh, behind, mm-hmm. but obviously it just looks weird from the passing sheriff. Uh, and then uh, also with um, the the dude taking the the pictures, he just sees Klaus yeah. speaking to himself rather than to Ben. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I was of the same 
ilk and kind of thoughts there when they first arrived in and then with the battle scene i'll get back to the battle scene in a second mm-hmm. um my assumption was oh my god because ben something's happened to ben he's back because when they all he he held hands with klaus mm-hmm. and imaginary someone else imaginary hold held their hand um when they were just about kind of porting out, yeah. when they were transporting. Um, so I was like, oh my God, maybe something has happened with Timey Wimey and he's back. Mm-hmm. But when we find out later he's not, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. They, like, maybe we know 10 days from now, from the apocalypse or from when we, we've, when five arrives, that, that, that is when, uh, it's going to happen, so he's still dead then. Yes, 10 days from when Hazel takes him back to, isn't it? So it's, yes. a, sli- it's a slightly longer clock than the first season. I think the first season was eight days, or was that just that he didn't explain it to everybody until uh, two days after he arrived? But it's it's roughly 10 days this season. Yeah. That's all they have left for him to stop the apocalypse. And again, you do wonder, what the hell has happened in that couple of days to turn this whole family into this proper uh attack unit versus the uh, versus the soviets you know so. well we do have some ideas mm-hmm. we do have some theories there uh, and i think the big one is that five already knows or he has an inkling uh no which actually lead, uh which, which is my big one of my big points mm-hmm. but i'll uh i'll hold off just to finish off your point yep. and kind of jump into you this is the best opening in a long time for a show for me mm-hmm. like within the first 15 minutes you're basically reintroduced each of the characters yeah. their full power sets yep. where they are when they are and just that that was just it was fantastic it was just for me, and then you also get reintroduced to when obviously Hazel's there. You get reintroduced to the commission as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you do. Yeah. Um, so it was a really okay. It, it from using a tired reference of setting the chessboard, <laughs> like we used it a lot over the last couple of seasons, and mm-hmm. uh, not on this, but setting the chessboard. Everything is set back to zero. Yeah. You just had to finish the game. You got your checkmate. Uh, or at least check anyway, and then we went, okay, time to reset, and everyone's pawns went back to the position. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that was a really good way. You showed them all in an interesting piece, because there may be one or two people who just joined for season two, yeah, for absolutely. whatever reason. Yeah. And for this case, it's like, oh, wow, they are now powered, and you can see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, that's basically it for my my big point for the episode because i took the uh, the main opening of the show so um so yeah i know that uh, the, the, there is the arrival of hazel and is he's the one that takes care of five uh, gets him out of there and then we have uh, we have the attack of the commission as you mentioned chris but i think we're going to be talking about that in a separate point do you want to give us your main point for the episode so my main point is five is back in all of his short glory <laughs> um a, what four foot something uh glory yeah yeah, I think so. I think so. It's interesting, is that you always wonder about kid actors when they're when they're cast on shows, and depending on how long Absolutely. it takes for a second season to get filmed, you're kind of going, "Oh, they're going to have to do a time jump for him. He gets lost in time for a few years because suddenly he has a beard or something, you know." But uh, he looks exactly <laughs> like he did at the end of season. Two. Absolutely, thank. God, Aidan Gallagher didn't age a day mm-hmm. uh, in the intervening period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for me, he he's still an amazing star of this show. Mm-hmm. Just from his full introduction, uh, it's just like who, like when he arrives, and he's doing all the questions and trying to figure it out, and then you get the introduction of Hazel, 
straight away it's we get the exposition dump I thought you did this. No, but we went here. No, no. Aren't you with them? No, I left them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, who are those guys? Oh, they look like commission. And then the bad guys fire on them. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, this is great. You're reintroduced to a suitcase, which is their method of time travel for non-five people. Mm-hmm. Uh, five's power is time and location jumps yep. i think is yep. the best yep. way time of putting and space. it time and, space, yeah. time and space that could be a better way of putting mm-hmm. it <laughs> uh, if you will um the fourth and fifth dimension no <laughs> it was fun to see then you get five kind of get to show his powers a bit jumping mm-hmm. uh yeah, and I then you that. get to see you get to hear what happened to um hazel uh, and more importantly what happened to his girlfriend yes agnes agnes the uh the what were, you, what were you calling her again, John? The, she uh, was the donut love. Uh, it was the donut lady. Yes. From the first season. Yes. Um, and yes, sadly, tragically, Hazel is no longer without his little cutesy wootsy donut um, to nibble on uh, from time to time as she has passed away. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sad to see her die off screen. I love this character. Mm-hmm. I love this actress. Um, I'm hoping maybe we get her back in some other... Again... And Derek, you keep making the joke of Doctor Who, timey wimey. Mm-hmm. She may be back. We may get a time jump again. And it's Hazel, because of right now, we've lost Hazel and we've lost Agnes. Yeah. Within one fell three minute swoop. Absolutely. And I think it was also interesting that, uh, that we did see the death, the death of Chacha again in the opening sequence and they recapped what had happened. That is true. Yes. So that was a question I had from. Yeah the end of season one uh-huh. was whether maybe she had managed to to escape uh, but yeah it was yeah. fairly clear there for sure <laughs> yeah but but it doesn't mean the the characters and actors that have played these roles won't come back in the show so it is really sad that agnes uh, died but i love the reference to the fact that they did have 20 years together and she died of cancer it's awful way to die of course but the idea that they did have a life together yeah after yeah. running away together because remember they the last time we saw them, they were just jumping out of the uh, of the apocalypse, effectively using their briefcase. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we do know, like Hazel and Chacha had many jobs before, the, like the the season one job they mm-hmm. did. Um, so there is quite possibility she went. She was back in the sixties at one point and doing a separate job, absolutely. looking out for the commission. So yeah. there is a chance we may see Mary J. Blige again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was just coming back to. Um, the 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 five I, like i really like the detail i like the fact he had the bowling shoes still on when he landed <laughs> yeah. uh, i thought that was really cool um and that whole uh the short time hopping that he did i loved that whole sequence of him hopping through the door to the tv place yeah um was it Mo- uh, morty's television and radio shop mm-hmm. um i loved all that and then him freaking out the the owner of the shop um, with all his hopping around to get uh, coffee. I just really loved that scene yeah. with, with Five. It was just, you know, certainly because Morty thinks he's an alien uh, and you have the whole X-Files reference there. So you actually mean Elliot. Elliot. Yes, that's exactly who I mean, is Elliot, not Morty. Uh, Rick and Morty's, I suppose. Yeah, um, and <laughs> El- Elliot, E.T., I suppose. Yes, that's well. the reference I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's a joke on ET. I expect uh, on... so. I like the reference I took was uh number five saying, Well, the truth is out there. Mm-hmm. Um because mm-hmm. obviously 
we do love our Mulder and Scully uh, as the X-Files reference there with the truth is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really good. There was loads of little sci-fi kind of references Definitely. just in that little spot. As, as you yeah. say, Chris, with Elias... Um, and also with potentially Morty's being Rick and Morty. Um, yeah. It was all just really nicely done. And I, I just thought the the comedy effect of him kind of doing this short, hoppy time travel yeah. and freaking out Elliot was, just was, ca- was really good. How casually he uses, like, is that coffee? Uh, is that coffee fresh? And jumps over like two feet across the kitchen to pick up a cup of coffee. You know, it's just how casually he uses. It's hilarious. <laughs> And this was this is why I kind of said he's back in all his short glory mm-hmm. because we started to see this uh, toward the around the middle um of the season one mm-hmm. where he's kind of out of his funk before he goes into his funk and comes out of his funk. Mm-hmm. So when he was out of his first funk and was kind of using his powers like this, jumping willy nilly, if you will, yeah. and kind of like yeah, as you said, jumping this like two feet just to grab coffee, but. I also love just the actor and the way, and specifically the lines that they've given him in this, mm-hmm. which show that he uses kiddo. He, like, of all things, like, it's this kid using kiddo yeah. on a grown man in this, like, late 30s, 40s. And it's just, it's the, the way the actor is able to portray a child who is actually a 58 year old man. <laughs> um, or probably 59 now, maybe yeah. his birthday may have happened. Absolutely. Who knows? Um, but it's just, it's just that it's the, the back and forth. It's the, it's the use, as you say, of like the truth is out there. And just then his kind of interactions with his siblings. That's it. Kind of, which we see as well. Yeah. Well, there's that great little moment talking about, you know, him being looking like a kid, being an adult. But, you know, and a kid acting an adult who's playing a kid, um, all that kind of stuff. But that, that moment in the carousel club where, uh, one of the bar, the waitresses is, uh, speaking with Luther going, well, yeah, I'm a bit worried about the kid on, on the front row. We don't allow minors in the club. And, you know, Luther's just there going, well, what did he said? Um, he, he said, what time do you get off? <laughs> and I just thought, that is number five. Yeah. And it's kind of that kind of matter of fact, but there's a slight cheekiness and yeah. just, just his expressions are really on, on the money for me. I, I really like them. Um, and, uh, I just, that, that little sort of, sharing of that dialogue between the waitress uh, and the uh, and number five was fab for me yeah, really liked it definitely so that kind of wraps up my point but exactly as you said his interaction with luther is brilliant because i say this about every netflix style show that we cover specific but it happens more and more on netflix it, it seems to be a trend on netflix mm-hmm. which is they have a great way of editing and cutting right at the right moment, yeah. but specifically, even typically with the right line. Mm-hmm. Literally that conversation where he says, I don't give a shit about saving the world and mm-hmm. the apocalypse. Uh, it's such a well-timed cut yeah. that it just makes you go, oh my God, I just want to see what the next part is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it definitely oh, does. It's so good. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, not going to lie, we went straight on to the second part. We're not spoiling anything about the second episode, I promise you. <laughs> We're not going to do it, but I know... 
almost everyone that listens to us will probably have gone on to the next episode directly. Absolutely. I can imagine yeah. so yeah. for sure. Um, I will not lie either. I did not. Because I wanted to time. maintain my purity. <laughs> that's because you didn't have time. I guarantee you yeah. would. It, it was literally, I did not have time. I'm not <laughs> even going to lie. I was like, I was so happy to get this in early. By the way, thank you to Netflix for providing this early. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate even giving us this ability. So shout out to all the Netflix heads there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much again. It's really good to be uh, working with Netflix again after, uh, after quite a while since we did a Netflix show. So uh, so definitely cool. Uh, Thanks so much for that, Chris. I think that point about five is just, you know, him being so central to the show and seeing him in here, you know, back in his school uniform, you're kind of wondering now at this stage, he did change it once in season one. You remember him going to his, uh, to his wardrobe and, and having, just exact copy of what he's already wearing <laughs> and that's the only other thing he has so uh, it must feel really weird after a couple of years to just be walking around in that school uniform but uh but it's a great character touch it is his superhero uniform so um yes. john what's your big point for episode one uh well my big point is arts and craft uh it's diego in the asylum okay. uh there, there's something <laughs> about diego in this that i really really like to think I think season one, I didn't really connect with that character. It felt That's like right. yeah. he was, I, 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 not that I, I didn't like the character uh-huh. or anything like that, but I just felt that he was just trying to be the superhero. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the fact that he's trying to be a superhero here. He, like he's just so committed to that role, but like after him arriving in, you know, in 1963, He's effectively been chucked into the the asylum because um, he's talking about saving JFK from assassination mm-hmm. and he's been picked up because he's effectively been trying to kill or harass Lee Harvey Oswald. And I just love that. I love the, the dejected f- sense of him, the long hair mm-hmm. as he's in the therapy group. Um, and he comes out with, um, I just think, one of my favourite favorite lines uh after the the doctor is, is who's conducting the therapy uh circle uh t- talks about a, a kid a guy who's dressed uh, thinks he's a superhero uh with daddy issues and he goes <laughs> you know that's just really sad and he just goes try telling that to luke skywalker <laughs> uh he goes i know you didn't get that but it's an excellent reference. <laughs> it really is. Um, I just thought that was so good. Because um, he has another couple of ones in there as well, isn't it? He's like, oh, you think your father was experimenting on you to Diego? And Diego's re- responding going, it was a literal experiment that was happening with my father. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how else to explain this. This is actually what happened. <laughs> don't have daddy issues. You know? But I also like as well that he seems to have picked up, as any good superhero must have, an unwanted sidekick here uh, in the form of Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well so where where that's going to go I, I don't know but she certainly seems uh, mad for for Diego um, probably not in a sidekick kind of way but I really like this it, it seemed nice and quirky yeah. um, and, and really kind of combative and I kind of like those uh, that 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 kind of dynamic really absolutely anybody getting Legion season one vibes at all off this uh, this pairing Oh, 100%. 100%. I was also going to say, I, I'm i wondering if she's more than the meets the eye. Mm. No, not that. She's a Transformer. <laughs> uh, I meant more, could she be the commission? She just seems, we get that, we get the scene later where she manages to, uh, sh- to kick one of the guards. Yeah. 
quite squarely, but oh, she does it with a certain stuff. trained flair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he's like, "Who taught you that?" And she goes, I, "I, I think she says it was like my dad taught me." No, my mother. My mother, I think it was. My yeah. mother taught me. Excuse yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's see where it goes. I kind of I'm hoping that this is is that kind of sidekick, you know, that Robin to Batman and so mm. on. Um, I think that would be really <laughs> good. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly there was, there was a little hint there that she certainly knows her how to to beat people up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just thought this whole Diego trapped in a box being the asylum was just really really good and even the visit by uh number five doesn't really go uh according to plan because uh, just going back a bit elias who who number five meets that's effectively why he knows that all the the other members of the seven are are there because yeah. elliot has been seeing this time vortex opening up and he, he, he as they arrive you see a flash of a camera on some of them and he's been kind of documenting it so Five knows Diego is, is is in the asylum, so goes to kind of I think get him out. But ultimately, um, he aborts pretty quickly when he realizes what Diego wants to do, which is effectively to upset the timeline by taking out uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, and certainly, then when he says, "And after I've done that, uh, I want to head back a bit further to slit Hitler's throat with a butter knife," uh, which <laughs> was really good. And as soon as sort of he says that to number five, he goes, "Okay, you need to stay here," and tells the the um, porter and the doctor that he's been filing down his uh, uh, the the bars on his yeah. cell. So I, I thought that was nice. And ultimately, you have the 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 escape from the asylum. And mm. um, first of all, you. The escape from the padded cell, which has a little bit of a lethal weapon nod um, for Diego as he dislocates his his uh, shoulder so that he can get out of the straitjacket. Yeah, wasn't that uh, Mel Gibson in uh, in Lethal Weapon Two? Wasn't it? Where I think he, yeah. He, he gets all the guys to bet that he can't get out of the straitjacket, so they yeah, really felt like what Diego's doing as he exactly as he smashes that arm against the uh, against the wall feels really. 80s action movie kind of thing exactly yeah. and then of course the 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 boy band the mature boy band these blondies um <laughs> are are here as well to take him out so they must be part of the commission yeah uh, for sure whether well, the guys um, that tried to kill hazel in yes, the opening exactly destroyed the box that he was using to travel or the briefcase that he was using to travel back and forth through time love uh five's line how many times did i suggest bulletproof but he does yeah. escape with leela here so mm-hmm. there is that continuation of the team up uh so let's see yeah as i say let's see where that goes yeah. i think that's that's really good but i just love diego here in this moment he was kind of making me chuckle all the way through his therapy session and when he started doing his arts and crafts making the beads um <laughs> which is kind of so far removed yeah. from where he thinks he is um so i i just thought that was really good stuff it is it's just like the terminator doing uh doing arts and crafts so can i tell you my theory absolutely Chris. so i believe the apocalypse will be caused because diego saves jfk who pisses off the russians who then attack america mm, interesting that is my thought yeah, yeah. because we very briefly see a newspaper flutter by um uh, five when he first arrived and just before we see the rest of the team that says something like jfk says xyz right. but technically he should be dead by that that's true yeah, yeah exactly so i think this is the knock-on which is 
Diego will save, uh, will stop Lee Harvey Oddwald, but then, like, the, will will need is five will need to go back and be the grassy knoll, mm. uh, and all this kind of fun. I, that's yeah. why I think it might go as a kind of knock on effect. Absolutely, and remember that is the one thing that we do know about Five's uh, missions that he had over the course of the years that he worked for the commission. One of the missions that he had, the last mission he had before jumping back to twenty nineteen in the first series, was that he was supposed to be the killer on the grassy knoll that took out JFK. And he didn't complete that mission. So, uh, so this or is all, was he? Or was he supposed to take out Lee Harvey Oswald, who was killing uh, JFK? Or was he? So he's trying to. They're preserving the timeline. He could have been there to take out Diego, mm-hmm. who was taking out Lee Harvey Oswald. This could be it. Yep. Um, so and because that's the, why the, the the JFK assassination is this common thread now mm-hmm. coming through. Because uh, that, that was kind of what I felt had led to the. Uh, nuclear uh, apocalypse yeah. was that JFK uh, hadn't been assassinated in the end. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, it's really good stuff, though. I like that. That that's where it probably uh, will connect in uh, with with season one. Yeah. Although, again, it's just a theory, so we could actually be completely, completely wrong. wrong. Well, it could be, but the reason then maybe he doesn't complete it is because he sees his brother. Yeah. Yeah. It could that's be. That's the whole point. It's like, yeah. oh, I couldn't. And that's why he knows he he's like, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to keep you in here because if I keep you in here, I don't. I can then finish my. I don't have to do anything. And I can still prefer the time, preserve the timeline yeah. Yeah. by doing this. But, but um, weird. It's all. Oh, Tell me why me. Yeah. But, but, but weirdly, my recollection of the season one part where he comes back, when they go back to that point, it's this. It doesn't because it it doesn't show you who he's there to kill. It's just that no. he he's got the yeah. equations to to complete his jump back. Yeah. So, but yeah, it'd be interesting but to it see. Has that it is the grassy knoll. It has. Oh the, yeah. It has yeah. the gun like uh, uh, leaning up against the fence, which is supposedly where the murder happened from, or the death of of JFK happened yeah. from, or one of the theories. Loads what of I mean is theories, is of course. what I took from that was not that he jumped back because he saw who he needed to kill, mm. it being Diego, say, for example. Yeah. It seemed to be more that he suddenly realized the equations he needed to jump back. Exactly. And he just took it and, yeah. and left the, the job. Or at least that's how the story is told exactly. in season one. It did allow them the option to change that <laughs> little section. Exactly. Uh, if they needed it for season two, as they did. Um, guys, that's, I think, our main points for the episode overall. Uh, do you want to have a quick roundup of what's happening with with the characters, uh, the other characters that we didn't cover in our in our main points? Uh, so we did mention that uh, Klaus and Ben are coming back from, it uh, looks like San Francisco, I think. Uh, and yep. Ben is telling uh, Klaus that he needs to go back to them. He's not very happy with them uh told in a brilliant way when uh when Klaus is trying to use ben's special skills as a ghost to win the car that need, that he needs to get him to uh, get him down to texas and ben completely lies to him about about what the other guys have around the table uh putting Klaus in a really bad position and almost getting him beaten up by a bunch of rednecks uh, so a fun little dynamic between the two of them that seems to have developed over these three years they didn't really get on too much we saw Ben was kind of the support system for uh, Klaus throughout the first season because he was watching on the whole time as Klaus yeah. doused himself in drinking drugs. Uh, in this season, it seems like already uh, they've had a lot of experiences together and uh, Ben's not very happy with being dragged around by Klaus. So a nice little touch. Well, or the reason he wants to go back to San Francisco is because he had people there and Klaus was 
manifesting him as physical. So he had a body, he had people with him, blah, blah, blah. They were part of a hippie commune. Mm-hmm. Like, touch the dead. Hey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, I don't want to be part of that commune. Touch the dead is definitely not a phrase no. I want anybody say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And then also we have Alison. Mm-hmm. So with Alison, we, her voice is back. Yes. She is married now, we see. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, organizing quiet, peaceful protests. With the other African American people in Dallas mm-hmm. ahead of the, um, the, ahead of JFK arriving. Um, and yeah, well, the biggest surprise is she has her voice back. I think a bigger surprise is that she's married to someone as well. But yes, now she has her voice back. That's a massive, a massive moment. But yeah, she's married to someone, uh, as she gets there. So, um, I guess that whole thing with herself and Luther is def- definitely never going to work out. Or she thinks she's lost in time and needs to just, yeah. like, there's always that. Like, when you think you're by yourself, I, I, I'd marry too. I need some company. <laughs> or is she just told a rumor? Or Well, maybe. Maybe she did get herself into a lot of trouble when she when she used that to get into a relationship and, uh, and control her child in the first season. So uh, I don't know. I don't know whether she did that to get right. Maybe she hasn't learned her lesson. Maybe she hasn't. Maybe she hasn't. Um, we did get a bit of feedback uh, on our on our recap uh, podcast, uh, specifically about the relationship between um, Alison and Luther, that it is never acceptable. Don't care whether they're blood relatives or not. They lived as brother and sister, <laughs> says <laughs> our wonderful listener, Bob Phillips. So how could they possibly have a relationship? So, uh, so definitely this is one for the shippers, these two characters. And this is exactly what happens when, uh, when viewers of shows ship two characters to get together to come into a relationship. That is red rag to writers to go, well, right. We need to, uh, create a situation where they will not get together. What do we do? Right. Uh, they arrived at different times and she's married. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always do that in TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And of course, then there's Luther, who, um, is effectively a hired, uh, bouncer for Jack Ruby and mm-hmm. his carousel club. Um, Jack Ruby being the person who shot Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes. So there is that element to this as well, that mm-hmm. linkage, uh, but also, Chester reveal. Yep. uh, Luther, um, is the kind of does sort of underground fighting, uh, and helps to, to sort of throw those fights for his boss, Jack Ruby, yep. um, by pretending that his size will have no part to play in the fight, which his opponent seemed, at least the one we saw, uh, who got a pretty bad broken arm, um, seemed to kind of believe, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if I was if I was in that profession and turned up with someone that width of muscle, I would kind of just <laughs> politely leave. I think everybody thinks they can challenge the big guy. Uh, not me. <laughs> nope, no, I run away. Yeah, from me too. The big guy. Me run. <laughs> and we, we, we kind of already mentioned Vanya um, a little bit. Just the idea that she seems to have lost her memory. She's now living with a family who are looking for. Her family, um, just one connection between those two storylines, which I just thought was interesting, was uh, Sissy, who's the the mother or the the wife in the household. Uh, it's her husband that's uh, pestering Jack Ruby in uh, in the Carousel Club to buy yeah. his stuff. When he said he was going back to work for the night, uh, he was heading off to the Carousel Club for a few drinks and getting drunker and drunker while pestering uh, Jack Ruby for for some sales. So there's definitely a connection there. So yeah, wondering if that's uh, that's going to be a way that these these people will meet back up. 
Yes, and it, could we get possible romantic uh, entanglement between Vanya and the wife? Vanya certainly looks um, very happy talking to yes. Sissy. And the wife has a go a GoFund. We talk. She talks about how yes. all women need a GoFund oh, yeah. in that time. Of course, in the age of internet, all I was thinking was a GoFundMe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting to see. Like Vanya could be good again if if that is possible. Yeah. Uh, well, more importantly, it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the siblings react to her because you've got to remember. The, the, the final moments, which was probably just a few moments ago, uh, they all, they stopped her, caused the apocalypse, she caused the apocalypse, mm-hmm. and then they teleported, and then they've all spent number of years apart. So there's going to be some, um, some resentment potentially festering with all of them. Potentially, or as we saw in the opening scene, in nine days' time, they just caused the end of the world. So, you know, maybe there's not <laughs> yeah. that much resentment. <laughs> maybe not. Let's get together to blow up the world, uh, like we did before. Um, just right back where we started, like, basically. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of being right back where we started, I think that's the end of our top three points. So let's move it on to notes. Yeah. Has anyone got any notes for this episode? A couple of little things I just thought was was interesting to, to pull out. The Ask Not speech that Kennedy's giving, that's from his inauguration, which happened in 1961. That's the speech he's given when Diego arrives. Um, but it happened in January 1961. That's traditionally when uh, a president is inaugurated and Diego arrives in September. Probably just being repeated on TV Uh Basically, so it's not a live speech that uh, that Kennedy's given at the time. I just yeah. thought it was interesting because it's such an iconic speech. I was trying to remember when it was from. Uh, you mentioned earlier on, John. There's quite a few sci-fi references in the, in this show, and ev- nobody can resist the urge when there's a, a time travel episode to do some uh, to do some Terminator Two references, like the ones in here. We had Hazel uh, saying, "If you want to live, come with me," which is the flipped version of the "Come with me if you want to live" from Terminator Two. Um, and Terminator 1, actually, uh, now that I think about it. Um, but also the other reference that I saw in here to Terminator 2 was Diego when he's in the asylum talking to the doctor and trying to pretend like he understands everything that's going on, that he's getting better. He talks to the doctor afterwards and says, so you've seen my progress. When can I get out of here? And the doctor says to him, um, it has to go to the review board. They'll review it in a few months time and then you get out. That's almost verbatim the conversation that Sarah Connor had at the beginning of Terminator 2 when she's pretending to be okay, when she's yeah. pretending to know that cool. all that stuff wasn't really happening. And then that all flips uh, just like it does with Diego. And he breaks out of the asylum just like uh, Sarah Connor did in Terminator 2. So lots of little references there. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've mentioned all mine. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I liked that Five's coffee loving uh, ways came back as well. Definitely uh, in the episode, I liked that uh, that he's still obsessed with coffee, and he did exactly the same thing after doing his big jump in time. Like in the first season, he went straight to a coffee shop and got a coffee. Here, he does his big jump in time and pretty much goes straight to get a coffee from uh, from Elliot in uh, in Monty's TV. So uh, so it's, it's still part of his character. Kind of like that. Yes, and I wonder, will we go to Area 51? I think we may. That would be pretty cool. I love that Elliot's eyes lit up the minute five mentioned Area 51, because he's like, okay, this is like catnip to this guy, right? I'll mention Area 51. He'll be on my side instantly. And what's his first question to five? 
Why the anal pros, man? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is something you would ask them. Like, Maybe not say, first, do you really abduct people? Yes. Why? <laughs> do you live on a utopian planet would probably be uh, the first question I'd ask. Can you take me there and get me away from here for a while? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably where they think most human brains are located. Mm. And on that note, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think that's all our notes for this episode. Mm -hmm. So, gentlemen, it's about time we wrap things up. So, John, final thoughts. What did you think of episode one, season two of The Umbrella Academy? I really, really loved this. It was great just getting straight back in. It was wham, bam, thank you ma'am, I suppose, in that sense. Mm-hmm. It's straight back in, and that's why I'd give it four and a half hovering ambitious strippers out of five. <laughs> um, I thought it was really really good, um, and was a great introduction to all the characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I think of the episodes, I think Diego and, and Klaus kind of get the majority of time but I, I I liked all the treatment of them. Uh, just, you know, this reintroduction, where are they? What have they done with their lives since coming back? You know, the, the great new apocalypse. Why has it happened? Who's caused it? Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, Diego for me was real standout, uh, in this episode. I really loved his sort of manic feel throughout this episode, um, of this superhero trapped in a box, uh, being forced to undertake art, arts and crafts. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Four and a half hovering ambitious strippers out of five. Chris, what about yourself? I absolutely love this from the opening salvo where we see the team fight together in unison being proper Avengers moment. Mm-hmm. Um, even with their, their version of the Hulk jumping in, saving and the camera panning and spinning. Yeah. Literally, I was waiting for the Avengers assemble moment where they would all stand in a circle uh-huh. or Age of Ultron moment where they stand in a circle and the camera just spins around them as they fight. Mm-hmm. I was expecting that. I'm not even displeased that we didn't get it chris is not displeased i love it (laughs) yes um so overall i i i love this i they set it up perfectly that i know where the chessboard is i know where my pawns are and all the pieces are and i just want to get into it Mm -hmm. um and they really hurt me by that ending where i was just like oh just if i just one more hour if i stay one more hour (laughs) i can sacrifice on sleep it's fine. Who needs six hours sleep? It's fine. Five would be fine. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Five probably lives on five hours sleep, actually. With all that coffee, definitely. <laughs> Derek, speaking of coffee, what did you think mm-hmm. of this? Yeah, nothing new to add for me. Really loved the episode. Really enjoyed it. I thought that the, the mechanism that they used where every single person arrives at different times, all the way up to Hazel, all our original characters in the original series, and we get to see their own kind of individual stories throughout the episode. Uh, Once again, bound together by five, investigating where they are, and then closing out the episode with those flashes to everybody as five gives that awesome speech about being a person lost out of time uh, to Luther, uh, seeing where everybody is and everybody's going to start their next episode of the season. I think it's such a great way to set up the show uh, and 
of course, it ending on uh, that moment of Luther, number one in the past, the leader of this team going, give a shit, kid. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just a great way to set up the season. There's, there's lots of intrigue, lots of ideas about what's going on uh, in this time back in the 60s. And it's a, it's a great time period to visit. So, uh, so very cool to have how all of these characters would react if they're back in those old times. I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see what way they're going to take the rest of the season of, uh, of Umbrella Academy season two. And the best thing is, because it's Netflix, it's available immediately. So we're uh, we're going to go off and watch that episode uh, pretty much straight away. If you want to get these episodes early, our reviews of episode two and three will be available this weekend over on our Patreon group. You can go to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries. Give us some support there and you can get access to the episodes and you'll get them early. Uh, we will be back with that episode on our main feed on tvpodcastindustries.com uh, later on this week. But we do have one more last order of business. Because we might be back in time, but we're also back to quizzing. Yes, fellow Brollies and fellow Academy alumni. Yes, it is that time for the pub quiz. But remember, we're back to school as well as being back at the bar. So it is a pop pub quiz Mm -hmm. uh, for the Umbrella Academy. And we're in Jack Ruby's Carousel Club. So pull up. Uh, a lot of white Russians, mm-hmm. uh, just in time maybe for the Soviet attack on, on the USA. <laughs> a bit of Red Dawn uh, feeling about it. Mm. Uh, a few white Russians to, to drink um, and settle in for the question one of the Umbrella Academy pop pub quiz. Right. So here we go. Yes. So aware that some of our fellow listeners may not have heard any of our pub quizzes before so give them a quick overview of what you're going to do for the pub quiz this season of umbrella academy that is true i was getting carried away uh here (laughs) it has become such a fixture Mm -hmm. uh, of the podcasts since witcher i think or watchman actually watchman Watchman, where you really did need to uh keep an eye on the screen for some of those questions Mm -hmm. but what it will be it will be one question for each of the episodes we will Ask these. Uh, you can send in your answers to the questions at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can send them in one by one if you want. Just mark it with Pop Pub Quiz Umbrella Academy. Uh, or you can send them all in together uh, in time for the final episode. And we'll keep you updated as to when the episodes are coming out mm-hmm. uh, with with all of your answers you will be put into the um, the competitive Excel spreadsheet uh, <laughs> table. Uh, so, and it's as simple as any other pub quiz. The highest score will be the winner, mm-hmm. um, and it has certainly been close over the last few uh, for Penny Dreadful City of Angels for mm-hmm. the Watchmen. Uh, yes, it is uh, pretty. A pretty tight race, I think. Yes, yes, yes. I'm expecting this one to be quite close, though. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent stuff. On that bombshell, or that nuclear bombshell, (laughs) dare I say it, uh, here is question one from episode one. Mm -hmm. So, what book does Alison's new husband get her as a pre-wedding anniversary gift? Very good. Very good. What book does Alison's new husband get her as a pre-wedding anniversary gift? Ah, it was a pre-anniversary gift. Yes. yes. Okay, very good. So, yes, as John mentioned, just email us with your answer to that question and all the other questions this season to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you'll be in with a chance to win some Umbrella Academy goodies. Take us home, Chris. 
Yes, it's about time we look to messages from the future. That is messages from you. So why not give us some feedback for this episode or any of the future episodes by sending your thoughts to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com and we'll read them out on the show. Or you can go and join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where we're going to have posts up Typically, spoiler posts for each and every episode. Maybe we'll combine them. We'll, we'll let you know. But you can just leave them in there and discuss your thoughts with us or anyone else. Mm. If you want to hear your voice on the podcast, make sure you just record a clip of yourself on your phone or your your laptop slash desktop or whatever mic you have available. And you can then email it to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com. Or you can go to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com and record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts about that week's episode mm. we'd love to hear from everyone we love having your thoughts on this and listening discussing what you think arguing about what we think who knows we could argue about your crazy theories and the crazier the theories the better for me because usually i just use them and go oh my god that's amazing why do i think about that <laughs> absolutely thanks so much for that chris uh, we're going to close out the episode say goodbye to everybody thanks so much we'll be back later this weekend with a discussion about umbrella academy season two episode two the frankel footage and episode three, The Swedish Job. Pop on over and support us on Patreon to get those episodes early. Otherwise, it'll be on our main feed on tvpodcastindustries.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll speak to you again soon. Yes, nighty night, fellow Brolly Dollies and alumni. Uh, it's great speaking with you, as always. And we'll be back with you soon. Remember, keep watching, keep listening. And keep caffeinated. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> I like that. Nice. Bye. 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 Bye.